Hey Sweat Elite podcast listeners, Matt here. Thank you for tuning into another Sweat Elite podcast episode. Today, my guest is American marathoner Scott Forbel. Scott will line up at the USA Marathon Olympic Trials this coming weekend in just a few days' time now, hoping to secure a top three position, which would put him onto the USA Olympic team for the Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games. That's the goal anyway. Scott finished seventh at last year's Boston Marathon in 2019 in his personal best time of 2.09.09 and finished seventh place and first American. In that race, he ran a personal best of over three minutes and that time ranked him second in the USA rankings for the 2019 year. So he's definitely going in as one of the favorites to secure that top three position in the trials. But Scott was more than happy to jump on a call and talk all about his training, his preparation leading into the trials, some of the key workouts that he has done in the last couple of months and that he does in all marathon preparation cycles. But we actually speak mostly about the book that he released last year called Inside a Marathon. I was recommended this book by a friend last at the end of last year and have been reading it for the last couple of months. It is a fascinating read, very insightful. It's not only a training diary as such, it's definitely more of a journal about Scott's preparation leading into the New York Marathon 2018, where at the time he ran his personal best of 2.12. The book journals all of his training, including splits and times and data from every single training run and session, but much more than that, it has detailed commentary from both himself and his coach about each and every training week leading into the New York Marathon 2018. They talk about the purpose of all of the workouts, how they felt, the results, and their prediction leading into the New York Marathon. So after reading Inside a Marathon, I was keen to have Scott join us on the Sweat Elite podcast because I had questions about bits and pieces of the book. I basically pulled out quotes and just bits and pieces of his training log that I wanted to ask him about and he was nice enough to answer all the questions that I had on this podcast episode. I feel like I do this every single week, but again, I'm apologizing for the audio quality. Unfortunately, Scott's line, his internet connection cut out a couple of times, and I've had to sort of edit bits and pieces, and little segments of this episode are uh, a little bit scratchy, but um, I do think that you'll be able to hear the majority of it without a problem. Um, and before I do transition to the podcast episode with Scott Forbel, the call, sorry, another huge thank you to the Sweat Elite subscribers who support the Sweat Elite podcast and in turn access all of the articles on the Sweat Elite website. It really means a lot to us to have you as subscribers. And if you are interested in doing so and learning more about the training of the world's best athletes and the research that we have done over the last three years, do check out the notes, uh, sorry, the show notes in your podcast player and you can find the subscription details through the links there or on our website at sweatelite.co. Also, huge thanks to those that have rated the Sweat Elite podcast. If you've enjoyed the Sweat Elite podcast, one episode or more, we would really appreciate your rating on your podcast player to tell us how we are doing because we always like to hear feedback and improve our podcast. So that's about enough for me in the intro. I hope that you enjoy this podcast episode with American marathoner Scott Fall just before he lines up at the USA Olympic trials for the marathon. Fall, thanks so much for joining the Sweat Elite podcast today. 
Thank you so much for having me, Matt. I've uh, I've really enjoyed reading your your book that you published last year, uh, Inside a Marathon, that goes into detail about your preparation leading into New York Marathon 2018, and then a bit into Boston last year, where of course you ran your personal best of 209.09. Uh, but before we dive into the the, the book, and I, I sort of bring up a few quotes that I really enjoyed, and we can talk about it. I'm keen to hear a bit about how your preparation has been leading into the uh, Olympic trials for the marathon that take place in a week's time, and you're currently preparing in in Orlando. So, if we could chat for a couple of minutes about how the preparation's been, and maybe talk about a few of the last workouts that you've done, and how you're feeling leading in, that would be awesome. Yeah, uh, of course. And uh, thank you for saying that about the book. Uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, ben and I worked really hard on it. So um, anytime we hear that someone's enjoying it, that, that means a lot to us. Awesome. No, it's been a, it's been definitely very entertaining. But yeah, as I said, we'll, we'll chat about that shortly. But keen to hear about your, your lead in to, to uh, Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, it's been good. It's been going really well. Um, I was coming off a little bit of a disappointing fall. I was dealing with some biomechanical issues and I wasn't... Um, wasn't able to quite get as much out of myself as I would have liked, but um, got that figured out in, I think it was probably like or, uh, October. And we've, it's really been smooth sailing ever since. Um, you know, no buildup is perfect by any means. I got the flu uh, about six or seven weeks ago and um, I had to drop out of a, or pull out of a race. I didn't, didn't even go down to start. But um, uh, other than that, you know, I think we've, done everything we needed to do all the most specific sessions for the marathon have gone really well and um now at this point it's just making sure we don't get rusty and maybe adding a little bit of pop here and there yeah sure i actually did notice um that around november time it was right around new york marathon time that you you weren't doing a ton of volume so i guess that's what you're talking about in terms of having any, some issues in the fall you were sort of just doing 30 minutes to an hour here and there and i was actually wondering what what exactly your next, um, I mean, I, I knew Atlanta was, was sort of coming up a few months later, but um, yeah, no, it sort of makes a bit more sense now that you share that. Um, but you did your last sort of long run today and it was, uh, yeah, I guess if you could share a bit about that there, down there at, uh, at Orlando where you're currently doing your last bit of uh, preparation. Yeah. Um, yeah, we just did 14 miles easy today. That's kind of our typical one week out long run. Uh, then we had one last little workout last Wednesday. Um where we did three by mile pretty quick to kind of get one little tiny VO2 session and just add a little bit of pop to the legs. Yeah, cool. Really good now to talk a little bit more about the book, Inside a Marathon, where you go into much more detail about your training splits. And I think the thing that I've enjoyed the most about reading and, and a couple other friends that have also read it is about the commentary that you include in on the book about um, how you're feeling day to day, how the workouts go. And I think the thing that resonates the most with me when I read it is how much, uh, how often that you mentioned that you sort of struggle through workouts and, and how often you feel so tired. And that's not something that you can see on Strava and that people really talk about. Um, but that's something that I think was, was really entertaining to, to read. Um, but yeah, uh, I'd like to first know um, where the idea came about to sort of do this project. And then we can dive into a few of the quotes that I've pulled out that I've really enjoyed that we could discuss. Yeah. Um... So the the idea started the summer before um, New York City Marathon, and we were, or I had really been craving an opportunity to do something really creative and hard. Uh, I didn't feel like I was stimulated mentally uh, as much as I could have been, and so I wanted to um, I wanted to try this, and I wanted to do something kind of difficult. Um, and I, I came up with the idea for the book because basically it was something I would read. 
if somebody else did it, I would be psyched about it. So um, I, I felt, I thought about it for a few weeks and I really felt like it was going to be best if um, Ben was on board um, because he is good at that kind of stuff. He was going to add a lot of value to the final product. And so I called him and I asked like, Hey, what do you think about this? And he was all in immediately. He said, that sounds great. Let's do it. And um, from there, it, we, we always knew that in its most basic form, it was going to look like a training log, but we always really wanted it to resemble more of a journal because journals are, um, they're more intimate, they're more interesting, um, and they're more dynamic than a training log where you just write, you know, 10 miles, 72 minutes and strides or something like that. Um, that's, those are boring kind of generally to, especially to read 17 consecutive weeks of those, it really need to add more spice. And so, um, so we added the pictures, uh, which Ben's wife took probably 90% of them, probably 95. Um, and then we added the second piece and I really made it a point to be, uh, as open and honest and vulnerable as possible. Yeah. We, we wanted to make books as open and honest and, and complete of a story of a history as possible. And, um, you know, we, we felt like, uh, we didn't want it to just be a training log. We wanted it to be more like a diary. So um, I think we accomplished that. And it was uh, it was a lot of fun to kind of put it together. And it's been fun meeting people who the book resonated with. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to just actually uh, quote you in, in the introduction that summarizes the book well. You said, each week of the season, we'll get its own chapter. And each chapter, you'll find a detailed log of the training that I did. And both Ben and I will be sharing how we feel about how each week went. You'll also find stuff that you've probably never seen shared by a professional runner, like the results of blood tests and heart rate variability data. We're sharing it all. Ben and I aren't going to share our half of the book with each other until the project is completely written so that we feel free to write whatever we want without worrying about what the other person will think. That was an interesting decision to make. And I think that actually made it, uh, as you sort of already hinted at there, it made it a little bit more interesting that you were kind of like not sharing with each other what you were thinking during it because there were some quite humorous points where for example i actually want to talk a little bit about the workout that you cut very close to new york marathon that was the the key one of two times six miles and your commentary was very interesting which like comparing the two because ben was confident in the decision and you you didn't seem to be at the start um but yeah we can talk a bit about that now i guess because that was that was yeah. quite interesting yeah. yeah um you know we had gotten to the point where I was just uh I was just really fatigued and I had gotten really really fit early, really early in the season yeah and um we'd kind of plateaued and I think we we pushed the envelope a few times um most notably like the 12 by mile which went really really well and then when I was paced my teammate at the Chicago marathon usually that that workout would be a 16 mile steady state in Flagstaff, but instead we did almost 18 miles of pacing in Chicago. So that's, you know, true marathon pace as opposed to marathon effort. It's got travel, there's emotion involved. And um, I think we were just, we'd gotten to a point where we were forcing a few workouts. And so uh, I had to drop out of one workout earlier in the week. I think it was three mile tempo and then a cut down and then three miles. And then after that, and I, I just, I didn't look very good. And uh, Ben came to myself and my teammate who I was training with, Scott Smith, um, the next day and was like, hey, like, I just, 
I don't think two by six is a good idea. Doing two by six miles is a good idea. I think um, we're really close to going over the edge and it's just going to be better if we, if we don't do it, do that, um, which he was correct. Absolutely correct. But you know, you get so attached as an athlete to the plan sometimes that uh, it's hard to, hard to pull back and it's hard to, to feel like you're not getting that one opportunity. And, you know, I know intellectually that no one workout was going to make or break the segment, but um, I felt like emotionally, I, I really wanted to be coming into New York with a lot of momentum and a lot of confidence. And um, it kind of felt like at the time that if we, you know, if we deviated from the plan, I might not go to New York with all the tools in my bag, but it was really more important to uh, get to New York with the best chance to do well. And if that meant skipping two by six, um, I kind of had to figure out a way to be okay with that. Uh, you know, I mean, it would be pretty silly to have a coach like Ben and, and just not listen to him. So, um, you know, I trust Ben a lot and I trusted him then. And uh, I thought that was probably one of the best parts of the book. It really showed our relationship and all that um, really well. Two things I'd like to pull from what you actually just said that I found interesting. Um, the first one was you mentioned it, the Chicago Marathon. Um, pacing and you mentioned marathon pace as opposed to marathon effort um it'd be good just to share what exactly you mean by that in training because i have noticed that on your strava you sometimes put uh, a certain distance or duration at marathon effort um but then you just mentioned that that chicago marathon pacing job that you did four weeks before new york marathon was at marathon pace um you know many people may know the difference but in, you know it, how would you describe those those two differences marathon pace to marathon effort in training well it you know, I live up in Flagstaff, so um, yeah. that's 7,000 feet above sea level. I think for most of your list, listeners, that's like 2,300 meters or yeah. something. Is that right? Um, and so, you know, when you're up there, you you can't run as fast. That's just um, part of the deal with altitude. And so uh, we do, you know, our really long tempos are at marathon effort as mm -hmm. opposed to marathon pace. And the difference is 12 to 17 seconds depending on the person and um but you know we went down to chicago which is very much at sea level and a very flat course so we were able to to run marathon pace which is it's just harder on your muscles you're running faster one more little thing about that is like is marathon effort do you factor in any training fatigue to that or is it just purely just the conversion from altitude it's uh the conversion for altitude and then particularly in this segment when we've been doing a ton of hills as much as we can really get in yeah um we've factored that in as well. Uh, so, you know, if we've got a really hard mile or a really hilly mile, um, obviously you can't run as fast. On, you wouldn't run as fast in the marathon on that mile, you know, yeah. if that was in the middle of the race, um, which, you know, is especially important knowing your body and knowing kind of what marathon effort feels like at a race like New York, where you've got, you know, the Queensboro Bridge and the Verrazano Bridge, and you've got to go up Fifth Avenue and um, where there's going to be miles that, you know, you run 520 and then the next mile you might run 430 and the 430 might feel easier or better than the 520. So um, just uh, kind of embracing the fact that there's going to be a little deviation when you run a marathon is, is I think, important. And, and knowing the effort is probably more important than being married to, to split. Yeah, sure. Yeah, well explained. Thanks for that. Um, not a uh, short question. Uh, it seems like since you arrived in uh, in Flagstaff to train under Ben um, Rosario at the Hocker, 
NAZ Elite in late 2015, um, you really seem to have put a lot of trust in him, obviously, and you seem to really click with him as your improvement has been so um, so prevalent and so uh, um, so consistent, I guess. What, in your opinion, makes Ben Rosario such a good coach, and why do you think he clicks so well with you? Well, I mean, like like you said earlier, Ben, you know, he's not trying anything wacky. He's just sticking with what he knows, and um, he's uh, very good at evaluating himself. So I think at the end of every season, he really looks at um, what in the segment went well and what we got boosts from and what maybe we didn't get boosts from and what we didn't, what didn't work as well. And uh, I think that's hard to do. You know, you want as a coach to be like, okay, this is the right training plan. But I think Ben knows that he's human and potentially prone to um, pushing too hard or, you know, not quite pushing enough sometimes as well. And um, he's just really smart and really hardworking in that, in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess a quote from him on this exact um, point is, uh, so this is, this is Ben talking from, from the book. So here's the thing. I don't coach off a template. I don't use a book and I definitely don't coach based on anything I see on social media. I coach with my gut and with the firsthand anecdotal evidence from 25 years of experience in the sport. And my gut was telling me that I needed to make a change to the plan. So this is three weeks ago um, until New York. My experience was telling me that we didn't need to do the two by six mile this time around. They had done enough. They had done nearly 18 miles at 502 pace in Chicago. And they had that killer 12 by mile session done. Um, So it sounds like that. Yeah. He really wrestled with that decision, but then made the call to take it easy that weekend and, um, it sounds like that was the right decision in the end. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he, you know, I think a nice thing that Ben does as a coach as well is once he makes a decision, he's not going to waver really. Like yeah. he's set, set, like he's set in his decision. It would take like a lot. It would have taken, especially in that situation, I don't know that I ever could have convinced him otherwise. Um, and I think that's good. You know, he's got like a steady hand in that regard and he is not afraid to to shoot you straight he's not gonna bs you or blow smoke up your ass like he's gonna tell you how it is and um that's that's important yeah for sure yeah so another good quote that i that i pulled from the book in one of your logs was a very short one running hard on easy days is my number three thing that i do not like <laughs> um, I'm not sure if you remember exactly what one and two were, but I am curious to know. But I do notice that um, you do take the sort of days in between workouts relatively easy, especially considering um, and when I say easy, so sort of far off your marathon pace or, um, you know, we're talking like seven minute miles or 730 miles. But do you remember what the other things that you do not like are in training or? <laughs> um, in training, I, did I, were they both running related? Uh, you didn't mention them, so it, it, it may, they may not be. But <laughs> Oh, I think I, they were probably a footnote, weren't they? I think they were a footnote. Anyways, I think my number my number one and two things were probably soup and the <laughs> phrase, uh, like, you would. Like, someone saying, like, you would do that. And it's like, well, that usually is around something that I did do. I did do that. So you, yeah. can, you should say that. I did. Um, and then I just don't care for soup or soup-like foods. So I think those are probably one and two. Oh, yeah. I, I think actually, I think one of them is um, maybe the phrase burrito bowl, because <laughs> that's a salad. That's a salad. You know, it's not, we can't be sullying the good name of burritos with, uh, with that sort of, that sort of qualification. It's either a burrito or it's not. You don't get to lump your terrible decisions of getting a salad into my 
good decision of getting a burrito with your stupid vocabulary. You know, it's, it's a burrito or it's a salad. <laughs> well said. No, I'm aware of your uh, your love for burritos. It's um, yeah. I have Twitter, but a couple of friends of mine follow you on Twitter, and you're you're constantly talking about burritos on there. But um, yeah, you take the easy days um, quite easy. And uh, in the book, you actually mentioned quite a few times that you run with some of the college kids and they run too fast. So you do these things like you pretend to tie your shoelace or you pretend that you've got a bad stomach so you stop and then run on your own pace. I thought that was quite quite entertaining as well. But um, yeah, it seems like you really sort of stick to that that right around that. Well, I'm looking at per kilometre pace, which is right around 4.30, but I guess that's like 7, 7.30 mile pace on your recovery days. And yeah. Really don't seem like you want to sort of waver from that regardless of how you feel, which is which is, which is is good. Yeah, no, I, um, you know, in terms of like an actual adaptation, like a benefit you would get from running 30 seconds fa- faster per mile um, in, uh, you know, on your easy runs, there's nothing. It's There's no difference between 640 and 710 pace, zero. Yeah. But um, in terms of the amount of recovery you could get, it's huge. You know, like 710 pace is just way easier than 640 pace, especially at altitude. Yeah. Um, and you know, uh, my whole goal in between workouts is to get ready for the next workout. Yep. Um, so if I, you know, I'm sacrificing, I guess, a few minutes here and there for uh, uneasy runs in order to be better on workout days. Yeah, sure. Um, another interesting quote that I that I read that I'd like to ask you a little bit more about is you you seem to have nailed or at least completed in a in in um, most of the workouts in that lead up to New York. But one of them you you mentioned that you didn't, you said, I have plenty of experience with dropping out of workouts, which is not the best because doing these workouts is how you get fit and being fit and racing well is my job. The upside of having dropped out of a number of workouts though, is that after you have to do it a few times, you kind of realize that no single workout really matters. It's about consistency over an entire season. And even more than that, fitness is about consistency over two years plus period. In fact, you could make the argument that dropping out of the occasional workout is actually a good thing. Yeah, keen to hear your thoughts about about that because I, I really agree with that and it resonated with me for sure. I mean, I think if you you know if you nail every single workout in a build up, especially a build up for a marathon, which is you know it's really short and it's really intense compared to like say like a seven or eight month build for um, like a dealing through trials on the track or something like that, for example. Um, you know, running getting ready for a marathon is really really intense for like six to eight weeks Mm. and there's some easier sections on either side of that um and so if you're really pushing the envelope in those six to eight weeks like you're gonna go over the line a few times and if you make it through those six to eight weeks without dropping out of anything any workout you're probably either going too hard and you forced it and you're fried or you weren't training hard enough and you're not going to be ready on race day um because you need big specific sessions to push the envelope um, and get you ready for the day, but um, but you also need to need to be able to respect your body and understand that uh, it's not you know no workout is is the point of the training is to get to the line in as best shape as possible and leaving your workout out on the roads isn't you know that's not going to help it. For those that are on Strava that have probably been following you would would know the answer to this. But what are some of those really long? key workouts that you that you favor leading into a into a marathon um maybe we could just mention two or three that you that you recall that you've enjoyed or that you've uh, particularly found very difficult yeah um, the three most specific sessions 
for the yeah. marathon that we do. And we do these, these or a version of these in an, every single segment because they're, you know, they're tried and true and Ben really likes them and they're very, very specific, marathon specific. They are uh, four miles of marathon effort straight into 10 miles at about six minute pace straight into uh, another four miles at marathon effort. And on the last one, you kind of have a green light to push a little bit. Um, there's that. Then there's uh, a workout that we didn't do before New York, but have since added to the segment. Um, 10 miles at six minute pace, straight into 10 miles at marathon effort. So, yeah. yeah. So that would be like 510 pace, I guess. 512 pace, maybe. And then the last one is um, 15 to 16. Uh, before New York, it was 18. Um, so 15 to 18 miles at marathon effort um, where you're just straight through. You're practicing taking fluids. You're practicing wearing the shoes you want to wear. You're wearing the socks you want to wear. You know, it's a marathon simulation, but it's, you know, 25 to 30K as opposed to the full 42. Yep. Yeah, I saw that one come through on Strava. I think it was last week. It would have been about, I think it was about two to two and a half weeks to go before, the, before um, game day in Atlanta. Two weeks out this week, this time around, we've done three weeks out. We've done four weeks out. But um, in this one, I think Ben just wanted it a little bit closer. Back to the very first one you mentioned, the four miles of marathon effort, 10 miles at about six, and then four miles of marathon effort. Is that continuous or is there a short break where you take fluids or is that just running 18 miles straight through? For the most part, in that, that 4.10.4 workout, um, it's continuous. Uh, we've, we just start and then you get maybe like a minute break after the first four to kind of collect yourself and then go straight into the six minutes. Um, but we, you know, this last time in getting ready for Atlanta, it was, there were no breaks. It was four miles straight into 10 miles at six minute pace. And actually we threw in a few miles at marathon effort during that middle 10. Um, and then came back with four miles where you're kind of going for it a little bit. Okay, back to a couple of things that I found really interesting in the book. Um, one was uh, you were talking about your training partner, Scott, um, that he, you actually had a bit of a flashback to the Frankfurt Marathon the year before where you ran 212. I, I can't remember the amount of the seconds, but he beat you by about 100 meters in that race. And that yeah. was your personal best at the time. And you were talking about how he had about a three or four week period before Frankfurt that he wasn't finishing most workouts. And you spoke uh, in quite detail about how um, you, you, you seem to think that it didn't uh, actually, I'm going to try and pull out a, a more specific quote. He ran the best marathon of his life at that point, but uh, by quite a bit and finished a hundred meters ahead of me. It's a hard lesson to internalize by the way, but the way you feel in training is not particularly a good predictor of what you're capable of doing in a race. Admittedly, I don't have a good explanation for why this is or what happened to him in Frankfurt, but the lesson here is it's important to divorce your physical sensations from the expectations about you, what you can or cannot do in a race. But yeah, you must have found that a little bit um, confusing, I guess, to, to have him sort of struggle so much in training behind you and then come out and race. But um, I guess you sort of already say that it's difficult for you to explain why or how this is, but do you have any further thoughts on, 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 on that topic? I mean, at that point, Scott had done... I think eight marathons, maybe Frankfurt was his eighth and uh, seventh or eighth. And that was my first one. So he had a whole lifetime of um, marathon training. So it's probably that, that's probably the reason, but um, that he, he was still able to pull it out. Um, but no, I mean, I think what I was doing there was really reassuring myself 
because I felt like garbage. Um, yeah. I felt terrible during that segment. Like there were many, many days when it was hard to get out the door or hard to even get up um, just because I was so tired. And when you feel that bad, hard to like imagine yourself crushing the marathon but you really need to go through that you need to feel that bad so that you have the skill to crush the marathon at the end of the segment um you just have to go through that sort of fatigue um so i think i was mostly reassuring myself that what i was going through was okay yeah that's exactly what you were doing if i the quote the 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 whole section of that is quite long and i wasn't going to read out the whole thing but yeah, yeah just just before that quote you were talking about how um you needed to sort of reassure yourself that what's what happens in training isn't always exactly translating into a race. But um, yeah. actually on that same point, um, that journal log um, came very shortly after you doing a session of 20 times, 350 to 52 seconds, which is, I guess, around sort of 10K half marathon pace, where you mentioned the log that you really felt like stopping after about five or six. <laughs> I think even five or six was generous. We were, we were kind of reminiscing about that workout a few weeks ago because we had the same one. And, uh, I think I might have wanted to stop after the first one. Like, I was just like, this is so dumb. I can't, I feel terrible. Um, and, you know, maybe I should have stopped. But, uh, yeah, no, sometimes you feel that way in marathon segments. Like, you've got these seg- sessions that they're not really hard on paper, so maybe you don't bring as much enthusiasm as you probably should. And um, your body is just not feeling good, and you really have to drag ass through it as opposed to, some of the bigger ones where you can kind of get up emotionally and, and try to crush it. That 20 times 300, I did notice that you, you completed that last week. That's a session that um, I don't have the quote up here, but you're, but Ben talks about it sort of like a transition workout where it might be a few days after a race and it's not particularly, it's not, it's not supposed to be particularly hard, but it's just getting the legs turning over at a decent speed. Is that like, yeah, is that something that you do in most lead ups or is that just necessarily come after like a, a hard race three or four days later or when is that workout put in? into the program yeah i mean i think um we had a number of workouts kind of like that um you know whether it's 20 by 400 or 20 by 300 or 20 by a minute um those are all kind of the same and i think oftentimes ben will put those in there because you know you can't put you can't stack too many really really hard workouts all in a row um but you also can't like go five or six days between working out like your legs will feel flat you need to keep the rhythm of you know hard too easy hard too easy and so sometimes you just need to do a workout just to get to the next like just to link two workouts yep um you know so sometimes that's kind of one of his go-to like let's just get through this one and get on to the next one sort of workouts yeah that's from memory that's that's more or less exactly what ben said or you know in slightly different wording but yeah yeah um uh, okay, so on your bathroom mirror during the training cycle, you had a note that said, the past is a memory, the future is an idea, all that exists is the moment. I was curious to hear your thoughts about, about that. Yeah, it's just a reminder, really, um, that uh, there's no like there's nothing I can do to change anything that I've already done, and there's also nothing I can do to um, – make something that is coming come faster or go better like all i can focus on is um the only thing i can control is what is going on right now yeah the moment is all like that exists i think there's like a a saying in um like buddhist or mindfulness texts it's like the whole world lives and dies every moment mm-hmm. you know and i don't necessarily know if uh that was 
going through my mind all the time. That's pretty pretty dramatic. But you know, I wrote that on the the mirror to just remind myself that um, just remind myself that there's nothing I can do about the past. There's nothing I can do about the future. It's just yeah. you know, I can just take care of myself every day. Sure. Another quote from Ben that I really like. I've come to realize that this close to a race, and he's talking about ten days out. From a physiological view point of view, the sessions you choose have very little effect on the race unless you do too much. And he was referring to the Marshall Lake workout. It'd be really cool to hear about what the Marshall Lake workout is and was. And, and um, yeah, and I guess expand a little bit upon what he meant by when you're sort of 10 days out, it doesn't really matter, you know, which sessions that you do. You can only really hurt yourself, I guess, from that point. Yeah, I think, you know, if you... Um, 10 days out we've generally started our taper and um, we're generally like at that point just freshening up for the race you get through a segment and you're tired and you might even be dealing with a little like injury here and there Um, so in the last two weeks you really need to be trying to get your body right for for race day Um, but you know two weeks is a long time to not gain any fitness so uh, you really we felt like we could add a little bit 10 days out, just like a little session to kind of wake up the legs and um, get a little bit more, fit, a little bit more pop. Uh, and so Marshall Lake is a workout where we do like a really hard two mile tempo, usually around like nine thirty to nine forty on Lake Mary road. So pretty fast at all. And then um, four two minute hill, seg- hill repeats where you're pushing pretty hard. The two minute hill segments are, um it's pretty steep and you're going you're going pretty hard and uh we have a guardrail that's about uh four tenths of a mile up the hill so if you can run five minute pace up the hill that's really really good for two minutes and um it's kind of been a workout that our team has uh maybe mythologized in a little bit little way uh just because it's it's so difficult and we've kind of um made it sort of like a benchmark of training like sure how did you, I guess, talk me through the, um, if you can, the thought process around uh, when Ben mentioned to you that he wanted you to pace Chicago Marathon uh, four weeks before New York. At first, it sounded like you didn't really like that idea so much, um, but then you sort of came around to it, and then in the end, you felt like it was a pretty good decision. I guess this is something that is not very common um, for people that are preparing for uh, a race in a sense of maybe doing a half marathon race or a 10k race is, but then pacing that far. But then again, you also mentioned that you would typically do a long, hard effort anyway um, around that time, maybe in Flagstaff. But it'd be good just to talk about your sort of thought process around around doing that. And then in retrospect, do you think that that's something that you would consider doing again in the future? Mates, Aaron Braun was going to be running Chicago, and um, we he. It was a year that Chicago was going to allow Pacer. And, uh, you know, he's a good friend of mine. He's a good team. He's a great teammate. Um, and we, Ben thought it would be a good opportunity to kind of kill two birds with one stone. We could help Aaron and we could get one of those hot, long, hard efforts that we really needed in. Um, and when he first said that, I didn't feel like it was that maybe that great of an idea. Like, just because we'd have to travel all the way to Chicago and, um, you know, we'd have to have this really like set job. Like one of the things I, I really like doing on those long efforts is really opening it up in the last few miles. And if you're pacing, you can't do that. You're supposed to stay at a certain 
at a very specific pace the whole time. Um, and so initially I was like, I don't know if this is the best idea, but then as it got closer and as I thought about it more, I was like, you know what, it's going to be a long, hard effort and I'm going to get to help one of my good friends and teammates. Like that was so much more important to me than maybe like ripping a few miles at the very end of a workout. Um, so, you know, I'm really glad that I did it. I'm glad that I got to be there when Aaron ran well at Chicago and I'm glad that I got to be a part of it and, and help a friend out. Awesome. No, that's all the, um, they're all the sort of the points that I really enjoyed from, from the, from the book that I wanted to talk to you about. Um, I've, I've, have been reading the book on on Amazon on Kindle, but is there? It, there's obviously I read that there's hard copies as well. Where can if people are interested in in checking it out, where are the places that they can find it? Um, yes, yeah, so we we sell it through the website insideamarathon.com, and uh, my pinned tweet on Twitter uh, has the links to get it from the um, the website or from Kindle. Um, so currently uh, we are out of stock, but we've pre-ordered a, um, another batch and. Uh, you can you can sign up to be one of the first ones to get it. As soon as we get it, you'll get it. Um, so uh, if someone is interesting interested in in checking that out, that we would really appreciate it. It was um, it was a lot of fun to write, and it was it was something we're really proud of. Yeah, no, absolutely. And as I sort of said in the intro, I think I was I was buying it expecting it to be more of uh, focused on the splits and the, and the and the data, and which it does share plenty of. But I think just the the uh, the commentary and the and the description of how you're feeling the whole time and, and talking about specifically about what the point of all the workouts is 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 where the most value is in that book so, so I really appreciate that is it is is it are you thinking about doing something similar again in the future or yeah we're we're definitely thinking about doing another one if um, if this race in Atlanta goes well and and I make the Olympics I think we got to write another one at that point you know um, I don't know that anyone has ever written a book about preparing for the Olympics so. Uh, we would we'll be doing another one if that goes well and and uh maybe a few more in the future we, we'll have to see yeah i do remember now that you mentioned that on the uh on the rich roll podcast that i listened to um uh yeah i i mean one of the last things i wanted to ask you about was something you briefly spoke about on the rich roll podcast that i was interested in and it was a decision after last year when you ran your personal best of 2909 at boston to not do a full marathon and instead focus a little bit more on on speed and develop in that sense. Um, I would really uh, appreciate if you could sort of expand a little bit more upon that idea. I guess coming straight off your personal best, uh, many people after running a personal best would probably be pretty keen to to uh, to target another marathon in sort of four to four to eight months time, and you decided not to do that. So um, I'd love to hear more about that thought process and, de- and decision um, that you made after uh, shortly after Boston. After Boston, it was. Uh, it would have been really tempting. It would have been really nice to run another marathon. I had a lot of success in the marathon up to then, and um, the appearance fees would have been great. It, you know, I turned down a lot of money uh, to not to not run a marathon. So, um, it was a tough decision for me because I, I, you know, as as you know, I do this not necessarily for the money, but money's great. Um, and uh, Ben just felt like felt really strongly that we'd done you know, a whole year at that point of just marathon training. And there was stuff that I needed to do in order to be as ready as I could for Atlanta that we doesn't really have a place necessarily in the marathon segment because the marathon is so specific and so hard. You don't have a ton of opportunities to kind of really rip some intervals. Um, You kind of need to focus on those longer things. So 
he wanted to focus on stuff like you know really fast mile repeats uh getting really smooth at 440 pace you know which um it didn't go quite as well as we would have liked because of some some biomechanical and injury issues but uh it was a nice change of pace to not you know feel like shit all the time as well like i was i was lower mileage and yeah um getting to do some workouts that maybe are a little bit more fun than you know 20 miles and then a five mile push um where your legs don't feel very good so um it was i think it was the right decision for us uh, at the time and i don't know if if we'll do that again in the future but um but it was it was good and i think we've we've benefited from that now so there's one week to go until the olympic trials in in atlanta now um what's the uh without you know giving everything away although i know you share most of your training on strava what's the uh what the final week look like for you and i'm also curious to know what you do in terms of do you change anything in your diet in the last couple of days leading up to a race do you sort of add extra carbohydrates or or what is your uh what's your plan in that regard the last week is really easy it's you know super low mileage um i think we're going to go like eight then 10 miles with a short workout six, four, three or something like that in the last five days before the, before the trials. Um, so really easy. The workout is just kind of going through some paces, two miles marathon effort, eight by 400, two miles marathon effort. So real, real smooth. Um, and then uh, diet wise, um, you know, the last 24 hours, you obviously need a lot of fuel to get through a marathon. So um, eating a little bit more, um, focusing on, more carbs as opposed, as opposed to protein and fiber and um, just making sure the tank's full. The night before the race, I'll probably just have a, a big plate of fried rice and then like maybe a cookie and a Snickers bar or something like that. Probably two pieces of toast with peanut butter, just like I've had before yep. every other long run and long workout. And um, yeah, maybe I'll have a, yeah, and some coffee. And the race is going to be four laps. Is that right in saying four laps of uh, of six miles? Three laps. Three laps. Three laps of eight yeah. miles. So we're doing a two eights and a ten. Okay. And from memory, there's quite a lot of uh, elevation gain as well. Yeah, um, it's about twice as hilly as New York. Right. Okay. But I guess there's been uh, you, you've done plenty of preparation for that at Upper Flagstaff, where there's plenty of hills. So. Uh, it should definitely favor athletes such as yourself that have been able to train on routes pretty similar. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, awesome. Well, yeah, uh, thanks so much for your time uh, on the on the Swilly podcast today. As I said, um, definitely recommend people to check out the the uh, the book that I I just downloaded on 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 Amazon. And if you can on getting the hard copies, Scott obviously mentioned that you can do so by going to the website and pre-ordering it. Um, and yeah, all the best for the trials. Definitely be watching out and hoping that you get one of those top three spots. Thank you so much, Matt.